Welcome to Life Unedited. I am your host, Tabitha Sweeney, and this is your lifestyle guide to living an unapologetic life that aligns solely with you. What's up, guys? How we doing? All right. Welcome back to Life Unedited. And we are going to start a new part, uh, like a new like shoot off or segment. What are we going to call it? Of Life Unedited. So it's all going to, it's only for subscribers. You guys are going to be the only ones who get these episodes. You already know if it's got the little locking key next to the title and the name, you are the only one who gets it. But all of these are going to be hashtag dating, <laughs> Life Unedited. Dating at 40. Um, that's what it's that's that's like what it's gonna be called. Yeah. Life on edited, dating at 40. Uh you guys are the only ones who are gonna get this content. So I'm kind of pumped. I was talking with my girlfriend the other night and she was like, You really need to start like documenting some of this stuff and start like, she's like, you should start like an anonymous podcast with it. But here's the thing, you guys, I don't do shit anonymously. We all know that. Also, I'm not starting another thing. I can barely get through the things I have on my plate. So I can't start another offshoot of something. But what I can do is open up this podcast for a specific like tag worthy uh, hashtag right there. And give you guys all the details. So if you search under the tags, it's going to say dating and that is where you will find all episodes directly related to what it's like to start dating again at 40. Whew. Guys, I don't know what you're going to I don't know what you guys should even be prepared for. Other than the fact that I do feel like I should say mom, these episodes may not for you. You may not want to listen to these ones. Um, All right. So let's see here. So just after the first of the year, I decided that I was going to try online dating. Um, I had an experience. Sorry, right? I've got like a like I've got like an air bubble. Um, I had an experience the very end, right before Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, at the end of last year, that turned my world upside down. In 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 a good way, in a bad way, just in a completely unexpected way. I think that's the best way to say it, right? So out of nowhere. I met this guy who happened to be the very first guy in, I don't know, five or six years that actually like caused me to turn my head. And honestly, I was so extremely attracted to him, but he wasn't my typical, like what I would typically go for at all. Not at all what I would typically like gravitate towards. He was completely different and... I met him in person. So you guys, I met him IRL in real life. I met him in real life. Um, I was not looking for anything. I had zero intention of dating. Zero, like less than zero. Whatever is less than zero, that's how much I had. And I don't necessarily know if he 
where he stood, if he was looking or not looking. Um, but needless to say, our worlds collided. And when they collided, when they collided, sparks flew, everything got turned upside down. Things got really, really intense, really, really fast. And it was interesting because I fell, like somebody just like pushed me off a cliff without a parachute. Like I jumped full force ahead. I went flying off the cliff. Um, But there was this, and we knew it on day one. Like we knew it, like as soon as we sat down and started talking, we knew it. We both made the decision to sit on it and think about it and see how things would unfold. And he was going to take some time to reflect on his ideas and thoughts. And basically the problem came down to the fact that he does not have kids yet. And he feels really strongly that he was put on this earth to have kids. He is supposed to be a dad. I have two children. My youngest is in first grade. I also physically cannot have more children. I've had an ablation. It means I have no lining inside my uterus. So there is nothing for anything to even connect to. It's not possible. If by some chance I were to get pregnant, it would be an immediate DNC and an immediate medical abortion or the baby and I both. Neither one of us would make it if it went too far. So it's it's not a thing. And, you know, you're always supposed to trust your gut. You know that, right? Like no matter what, no matter what your gut says, you should trust it. So I said to him, whereas we're talking, and he's like, I really have to think about this. Like am I really willing to go down this road with somebody who can't, have children when that's all I've ever wanted. And he said to me, but while I'm making that decision, I still want to see you. And in my gut, I said, no, 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 that's not a good idea. We shouldn't get to know each other more. (laughs) But every other part of me said, okay. And so, So we continued to see each other for a couple more days until he finally did make the decision that he was not ready to cross off his chance of having biological children. And I can respect that wholeheartedly. Um, 100% I can respect that. I am less than thrilled with the way I handled the news. I'm less than thrilled with the way he delivered the news, right? Because like he sent it in a text message. And I thought we were well past the point of a text message because we were actually physically talking on the phone, like voice to voice multiple times a day. So I thought a text message for telling me something like that was kind of, you know, not the right way. And when he sent that text message and I didn't have a chance to say anything, 19-year-old me came out and there was a whole box of trauma right there waiting to be unpacked from college. Huge box. So that's how I got into this whole online dating thing because I decided after him 
and I was heartbroken. Like, I was distraught. I was so upset. And the worst part was is like within within a few hours, I knew that I wasn't – I was upset over him, but the majority of my emotions and the fact I couldn't contain my emotions had nothing to do with him. It had to do with the fact that like, shit, we just – dragged this huge box out of the attic and it's like nobody was ready to go through it and now we have to fucking go through it and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be hard and I don't really want to see what I put what's in there like I think some of it's going to scare me and I think some of it's going to make me cry and like how the fuck did we unpack this box where did this come from that's that was a huge piece of where I was so upset and So interestingly enough, I started unpacking that box. Oh, the shit that I learned, you guys. The part of the reason that this online, this dating portion of the podcast is going to be so good is because not only are there bits and pieces that are going to make you laugh and cry and thank God that you are or are not a part of this new dating trend and world. Um, We're also going to touch on some like actual trauma and healing that I've had to do along the way with it. And I think that that's really powerful because I think the trauma that I had from, from back then, from college and from my early years, I don't think it's unique to me. I don't think it's something that only I have experienced. I think it's something that more women have experienced than not. And it's something that we absolutely do not talk about. And I don't think that we are doing a good job preparing our next generation of females to go into their life better prepared than we were, if that makes sense. So in this box of trauma, we pulled out shit like – so let's see. When I was in high school, I had my, I had my boyfriend in high school. We were together two, maybe a little more than two years. I know we went to junior and senior prom together. And I do I do think it was like two, two and a half years maybe – um, and he was the first person I was ever with. And he was the last person I was ever with that was non-abusive to me. Okay. So first and last, and I actually, there is an episode somewhere where I actually like said, sent him a message and like said, thank you for not abusing me, um, which feels like a message you should never have to send someone, right? Like, thank you for being a decent human being. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in. So that left a lot of trauma. Now, let's just do a quick little uh, recap here. And this is in one of the episodes earlier, but I'm going to do it again. I grew up Catholic. I grew up pretty strict Catholic. Sex was not something we talked about. 
at no point in time did I ever get the impression that sex was supposed to be like enjoyable or fun. Um, my boyfriend in high school and I, we were to, we, we were together a long time before we, before we had sex and we, neither one of us had ever done it before and we had no fucking clue what we were doing. So like, I'm going to be hard pressed for anyone to tell me that the best sex of their life was the first person they were ever with. Okay. Like, let's just leave it at that. Um, what was really great and what was something that I had with him I never had with anyone else was that with him it was very safe because it was it, – there was a special and a, a sacredness there because neither one of us had ever done this before. So it was very much like there was no needing to pretend. There was no like nothing. It was just, here we go, right? But what happened was after we broke up and I was in college, my next boyfriend, I was 19, the next person I dated, which was very, very shortly after my high school boyfriend and I broke up, was 24. Now, here's the deal. Five years is not that big of an age difference in a lot of, at, at a lot of points in our life. But between 19 and 24, there's a big fucking age difference. <laughs> okay. Now, he was back in college. He was back in college through the Army on a scholarship to finish his degree. So technically, we were in the same class. But he was five years older than me. He had spent five years in the army. He had much more life experience than me. And he was legally old enough to go to the bars and drink. He also introduced me to gaslighting and I did not know. I did not know what gaslighting was. I still have vivid memories at certain points. I have one vivid memory of him gaslighting me so bad and being in the car and trying, I don't remember if I was trying to get back to my apartment or to campus to get to my, like my best friend's apartment, but I remember being so upset and getting pulled over by the cop and the cop being like, you have to calm down. Like, because I felt absolutely crazy and that was his specialty. Making me feel crazy was what he excelled in. And he made sure that everybody else on campus also believed and knew I was crazy. He forgot to mention that every Sunday night, you know, before we all, before Monday morning came and we all went back, he would be back at my apartment saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I missed you so much this weekend. Please don't like, da, 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 da. Right? And then the next week, we would get back to Thursday and the weekend, and you're fucking crazy. And it was this perpetual cycle that went on for way too long. How my parents did not go crazy witnessing and watching that, I don't know. I have no idea. And I kudos to them because they let me figure it out on my own, which is what all good parents are supposed to do. 
when we broke up, I was beyond heartbroken. I was positive that this was the man I was going to marry and spend the rest of my life with. Mind you, we weren't even fucking happy. He had such a hold on me. And what I came to learn in this box of trauma that I'm unpacking is that I had lost all of my identity in him. I also had such great walls up around sex because, mind you, up until now, I had only ever been with one person. And it wasn't for like that long, right? And we had no fucking clue what we were doing. He was five years older than me. He had been with many more people than I have. So there was immediately this like hierarchy of power and experience. I also grew up strict Catholic. You're not supposed to be having sex. Now, we all knew that everyone is, but it's not something we talk about. It's not supposed to really be enjoyed. Oh, no, like absolutely not. Like you're in, you should never voice the thoughts that you actually have in your head about something you would like to do or try or experience. And I really grew up with so much shame. And I don't want to say shame around my body because I don't think that was it. I don't think I had shame around my body, but I had shame over sex itself. Um, so that was, that was a really, really big moment for me to unpack how much shame I was actually holding on to. And it actually explained a lot over the next several years that were going to come into my early adulthood uh, because I spent a lot of time angry and jealous. I remember being, and this is going to sound crazy, I remember actually being jealous of strippers or of girls who went to the strip club because I wanted that freedom to be able to do that without feeling bad or feel like I was breaking a law or a rule. And I didn't have that. So there were a couple times that I had gone to the strip club with with the guys after, especially after football games, they would go. And there were a couple of us girls in the group and we would go, but I never actually like even could super enjoy myself because all I could think about was like, oh my God, what if somebody found out I was here? What if, what if my mother found out? That shame haunted me and that shame brought such trauma to those early years of of sex and learning who I am and figuring it out 
that I still have trouble talking about it. In those early years, I mean, really, and I shouldn't even say in those early years because really up until very, very recently, so we're talking, you know, almost three years after my divorce, this is the first time I actually can like put words to feelings, attach the two and then say them out loud that have anything to do with with sex or fun or – this is not something I have regularly talked about. This – in fact, I sort of right now feel like I want to puke talking about this because it's so uncomfortable for me, but I also know the only way I'm going to heal from it is to talk about it. So I think it's really important that we – we navigate and open these doors with our young girls, especially those of us who are raising our children in an organized church that frowns upon sex and sort of actually contradicts everything that science puts out. Okay? Like, I, I want to keep that super known. Like, According to the church, we are here to have babies. That's it. It's the only reason to have sex is to have babies. That just make, that makes me want to throw up. <laughs> okay? So I really, really struggled in those early years. I struggled straight through my marriage. And it made it really difficult to, especially in the beginning, we were, we were intimate, as intimate as, as I was able to be. But my ex-husband's um, thoughts or feelings, whatever we're going to call them about sex, were not as creative, we'll say, as others. So, and maybe that's why I gravitated to it because it, it in that regard, it felt safe. He was never going to ask me to do something that I was even slightly uncomfortable with. But he also was never going to be open to asking me what I wanted or what I was thinking about, okay? And it made things very, very – trying to think of what the right word is. There was a, there was a breakdown. But before I – got before I married him 
between the time that I broke up with my college boyfriend and the time I met my ex-husband, there was probably six or seven years. And I would say at least two to five of those years. <laughs> yeah, five of those years. Um, I don't know why I said two because two is not correct at all. I spent a whole lot of time gaining all of my validation from men and keeping up my walls. And there was no intimacy. There was no, there was no connection other than something that was purely physical. And truthfully, one or both of us was almost always under an influence and rarely was I ever sleeping with the same guy twice. So truthfully, I didn't even know their names a lot of the time. And I, what I had learned and what I unpacked in this box of trauma that um, we'll call him Mr. December, that Mr. December drugged out of me, I finally had to face the fact that I used sex as a weapon through college and after, that I was so ashamed and that I've been carrying that shame and that guilt of those actions around with me like a fucking ball and chain since since they happened. I've been carrying them around for 20 years. I've been carrying those around. Unable to forgive myself for leaving the bar with someone for going home with someone else, for inviting someone someone else over to my place, for, for allowing my body to be used. But the 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 truth is I don't know if I ever really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the satisfaction that they wanted me. I enjoyed the satisfaction. I felt like I was holding some of the power and like it was a game. Like I'm going out to the bar and I'm going to see who I can take home tonight. And that was validating. But all I really wanted was for them to want me. I didn't really get much out of the sex itself. I didn't really need the sex itself. I really just wanted to be wanted, which now I can look back at and I feel so sad for that young girl who just wanted love and attention and wasn't getting it. And so she was doing things she didn't even really want to do with no connection and no enjoyment. And then she was carrying around this baggage and these chains with her everywhere she went. Okay? 
And I don't think that was just me. I think a lot of us did that. In fact, I had a conversation just the other day with somebody who is like a year and a half older than me. And as we sat there and she grew up Catholic and we talked about the same, having the same fears and the same experiences and the same, you know, almost being 40 or for, in my case, turning 40 and not knowing that sex was something you could be enjoyed and that sex was something you didn't have to be ashamed of and that it was okay to say, we are all adults and I really just want to have a good time. I turned 40 before I realized that. As a mother, do I want my child out having sex? No. I mean, especially when we think of the fact right now she's eight, right? But I mean, I'm thinking like, okay, I don't know what, when kids start now. 15, 16. God, I, I hope not. I hope it's more like 17 or 18. But whenever it is, I, what I don't want is her to attach whether or not she is a good person, whether or not she is deserving to whether or not she is having sex and with who. I don't want that. I don't want her to be 40 before she realizes that there is actually really good sex out there if you find the right person and you have the right connection. For me, that person came with a whole lot of emotions, right? And I think in a lot of cases it does. But I also think could there be somebody out there where like you you just have a physical connection and you don't have all the emotional baggage? I'm sure you – I'm sure that there is. You guys, I'm like – what, four weeks into this journey, right? Three weeks of opening up this box? Like, I don't know. But I think it's a really important discussion for us to be having. And so as I dug through this box more and more, and I started learning more about myself and realizing more and more the shame that I was holding on to, and admitting out loud about the things that, huh, I actually have always thought about that, but I would never have said that. I actually think I would like to try this, but I, how do you say that? Part of the problem when Mr. December walked away from me was he was the very first person ever who I openly talked about sex with, who created an extremely safe space where we talked, not even when we were like face-to-face and like doing it. We, we made time to actually talk about things. And it was all an experience I had never had before. And I truly didn't feel judged. And I truly didn't feel any any of that, those feelings and the thoughts and the pressure and the 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 weight sitting on your chest, right? So then when he turned around and 
said goodbye just a couple days later, I felt violated because I had never shared any of that stuff with anyone. I don't think that was his intention at all. I don't, I, that is, those were my feelings and that's my responsibility that I felt that way. But, but that intensified the feelings and the loss that I was feeling because I didn't just lose this great guy who I, I lost somebody that I shared things with I had never shared with before. And now I liked the ideas that he gave me and the freedom I felt. But now I have to figure out on my own how to go out and create that with the next person. Which is going to be this perfect segue into online dating and um, all of the circus that comes with it. So I'm going to wrap this episode up right now because it's kind of long and really intense. Uh, We hit on things, guys, I I didn't really expect us to to hit on. And that's that's part of the thing with these episodes is I never fully 100% know what's going to come out of my mouth and what I'm going to talk about. So I think this one was really, really good. And I think letting that segue into this is what he – this is the like little door he opened – And he gave me a taste. And now I want to figure out how to recreate that. But I don't have that safe space is the the perfect segue into the next episode. So on that note, you guys, go out and do something good today. And the next dating episode is going to talk about the first couple dates that we go on.